0: Welcome to the Atlas Airguns Podcast. On this episode, we talk to competitive shooter Nikolai Boldov, also known as Russ Bear, the champion of the 2019 Extreme Benchrest and five-time Russian airgun shooting champion. We discuss a variety of subjects, including his competitive shooting, airgun laws in Russia, and current events on the world stage. If you want to know more about Russ Bear, or just get an Eastern perspective, this episode's for you.
1: Tell us about yourself. You're in Russia. I think the audience would like to know about what the temperature is like where you are, because Russia's massive, and most Americans are just geographically ignorant on how big it is. Uh,
2: Absolutely. Uh, So I live in Russia. My name is uh, Nikolai Bolov. as many of you may know. I live in Moscow, and nowadays we have about uh, zero uh, Celsius degrees. So sometimes it's snowing, sometimes it's raining, Mm, windy, as we usual uh, feel here in spring. I have three higher educations. My first higher education is international private law, and my main job nowadays is a head of legal department in logistics and transportation company. The second higher education is a translator of English. Unfortunately, I don't have too much practice, so it's not perfect at all. And I'm not native speaker, so sorry for my mistakes. And the third higher education is a master of business administration, MBA degree in strategic management of companies. But at the same time, I have my I can call it second job because uh, due to my being a great fan of air guns for already I think 9 or 10 years um, I think in 2018 a lot of people just started asking me to prepare air guns for them because I've taken uh, several golds and uh, silvers and bronzes on uh, Russian air guns uh, championships. And they've seen that my approaches to preparation of airgun, to tuning, to customization is quite effective, so to say. And after that, I got into that business and, you know, I do not have weekends. Really, I think that I had just a couple of them for several last years because uh, I used to stay after my main job because I have my workshop in the same building as my main job. I have my own shooting range here, it's uh, up to 160 yards, so I can allow myself to shoot in good conditions. Of course, it's not indoor shooting range, it's semi open shooting range, so to say. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to prepare real, real accurate air guns. And I can really call it my second job nowadays, because it allows me to earn some money to spend this money for my hobbies to improve all my equipment. uh, to train as I want and uh, my tradition to have at least one shooting bench press shooting practice uh, per week. It's about two three hours. And it doesn't matter what weather it is in the street. Uh, once I had practiced in minus 30 Celsius, it's about minus, I think minus 30 Fahrenheit. So it's really cold. But I went out and uh, I made my shooting practice and I was extremely happy with it. <laughs> So you have an indoor range? Um, I have an outdoor range up to 160 yards, yes. And if we speak speak about Moscow uh, and Russia generally, we have uh, not many indoor shooting ranges, and of course we need them. And the price is crazy to to compare with with the United States, for example. In Moscow, we have just two indoor shooting ranges with a long distance up to 110 yards. It's 100 meters, so we measure distances in Russian in, um, imperials, in metric system, sorry, in meters. And we have to pay about $25 for one hour of shooting. So it's re- really, pricey for people in Russia because our salaries is not as uh, big as they are in European Union or in the like, United States. So air gun shooting is, I would say, A kind of uh, high accuracy air gun shooting is a kind of elite sports here because it's uh, not cheap at all.
1: Do you guys have access to regular powder burning firearms or is it just air guns?
2: Um, (laughs) Yes, of course, we have access to um, firearms. First of all, almost every man can uh, get a shotgun but you have to pass through special medical commission you have to pass through uh, special studies then you have to pass through exams and after that you'll be allowed to buy your first shotgun
1: that's actually pretty pretty liberal with the gun laws and that's that's not too bad Uh,
2: yes that's right Uh, just let me continue a little bit about firearms Uh, and after owning a shotgun for five years we're allowed to buy Uh, rifles here. Uh, All rifles are allowed, uh, semi-auto are allowed, but full auto can't be owned by usual people, only by militaries or special forces uh, employers. So that's uh, what we have here about firearms. And if we speak about air guns, you know, we've got some problems really a year ago when we had several uh, people being killed from our guns, our government decided to make laws much more strict than they were before. And nowadays, we can legally own just the guns below seven and a half joules uh, power. So it's mostly four and five caliber, uh, 177 caliber. Uh, And we've got to get special license the same license as we get to buy shotgun to own air gun up to 25 uh, joules power but we all understand that it's not serious at all and just a year uh, before i think it, it was 2021 when the laws became much more strict we could get fine if we Uh, or penalty if we make air gun more powerful they could confiscate the gun confiscate the scope and it was not just too scary for us so to say so a lot of people made powerful guns the same as i did and they tuned it but a year ago uh, a man who makes a gun an air gun uh, more powerful than seven and a half joules uh, may go to jail up to two years So now it's a criminal offense and a lot of people had to give up air guns here and to give up air gunning, to give up sports. So as a fact, I would say that uh, they killed air gun sports in Russia now because, you know, we didn't have a lot of sportsmen here. We had a lot of hunters and uh, during uh, Russian air gun championship, we could uh, gather about, I think 70, 80 people from all over the, the, the country to shoot bench arrest, field target, hunting field target, uh, var- varmint and so on and so on. Nowadays, uh, of course, we will never get such amount of people because, y- you know, we can expect just police coming in any second and then we'll have big trouble here. So, so I'm a legal person, so to
1: say so when you tune these rifles for other people are these people living outside of russia
2: no no Uh, russian laws allows us to have our guns only inside of russia we can't order any air guns from abroad and we can't send them abroad the only way to get air gun from abroad is to take it with you as a baggage in airplane for example and there's no any other ways or Again, illegal uh, way just to disassemble it and to send it by parts in several parcels. So, But again, it's illegal.
1: So how does the cold impact your precision shooting there? What kind of compensatory strategies do you use to keep shooting?
2: Um, Look, it depends on uh, which kind of uh, shooting I make. If I shoot bench rest, I just check my velocity. If it's fine, I do nothing. And usually I try to... Uh, make the adjustment of the gun in the way where there's no any weather compensation temperature compensation so to say and of course it makes me wasting much more air per shot but um, my gun doesn't affect it by uh, temperature almost does, uh, doesn't affect it by the temperature and of course, if uh, it's a regulated gun, if uh, the plenum is small, of course, we will feel the difference in, usually during cold weather, we will get uh, lower velocities and we have to make corrections, it's obvious. Uh, but when we shoot bench rest, it doesn't matter really, because we can easily adjust uh, the settings of a gun. If you go hunting, of course, we have to put our gun uh, to the outside to cold weather and to check it, to make adjustments and only after that um, we have to go hunting. By the way, hunting with air guns in Russia is also not legal thing because we have to get special license and we can hunt only very small game here, some birds and squirrels and I think uh, that's all really. Uh, And if we speak about uh, shooting still targets, we call it uh, varmint shooting. When we put targets to different distances from 50 up to 130 meters. So it's from 55 to 150 yards, something like that, uh, every 10 meters and the target size is rather small, it's about one and a half inch. And there are no wind flags. So we have to read the wind using grass, trees and anything we can use to read it. And in this situation, it's a problem because we've got to know how our Air gun behaves itself with changes of weather, uh, how the projectile behaves itself. Or you've got to take into account all the weather conditions, and it's
1: rather complicated. How did you get into air guns to begin with? I'll ask that question. Oh, you know,
2: it's uh, <laughs> first of all, I just wanted to have an air gun like I had in my childhood. Just it was, my first uh, air gun was when I was, I think, 11. It was a spring air gun, spring-loaded, or how it's called correctly, I don't know. And then I, when I was, I think, 25 or 26, I decided to buy some powerful air gun, and it was a uh, Benjamin Sheridan 397. I'm sure you know this, it's a multi-pump air gun. But I always liked accuracy, and I tried to shoot to 50 meters, it's 55 yards. discovered that it's fine, but not as good as I wanted it to be. And I changed it to uh, Walther Dominator 1250. It was my first PCP gun in 177 caliber. I've tuned it, tried to tune it, of course, I didn't have any experience, but I had internet forums where I could find some information uh and you know it gives stable. i think three quarters of uh inch with 10 shots to 55 55 yards distance which is not bad for 177 calibers for me but it wasn't enough for me and then i changed it and i bought my first is for me serious pcp it's a 22 caliber caliber gun cricket at that time it was the last air gun that was made in russia after that uh, the company and all its facilities went to Czech Republic. Um, I didn't know, did you have any information that caliber Gun Cricket uh, first was Russian gun. It was invent- invented in Russia and p- produced in Russian from the very beginning. And this gun was just a huge story for me because all my knowledge I've got with this very gun, uh, how to tune the barrel, how to polish it to make round to make pallet entrance to adjust regulator. I've tried a lot of different barrels with different twist rates, uh, different ammo. Uh, It was my first experience trying slugs. And it was I think seven years ago, or maybe even eight. It was really cool. And once uh, a man seeing me shooting in the indoor shooting range told him, why don't you just try to go to uh, competitions? I said, why not? Give me the context where to go. And in the very first year, I took uh, second place on that competitions for all the year uh, between all the year competitors. And
1: then I started develop, develop. And so now I'm where <laughs> where I am. So in 2019, you went to EBR. You won with a very unique gun. Can you tell the audience about that?
2: Oh, yes. It was a result of my uh, studies for all that years uh, of air guns. And uh, this air gun was based on uh, Jagger air gun. It's Russian PCP, uh, not regulated one. And um, it was produced by Klimovsk Special Ammo Factory, so it's an old Jagger, old good jugger. they have several uh, generations and it was old one. And the only original part that was left is the body of main tube where the valve and hammer is situated. All other parts were either tuned either custom built from the very beginning. Now, for example, it was also a long story because a long story because I had to get United States visa, and at that time it was possible. Nowadays, unfortunately, uh, no any Russian can get a United States visa due to all that political stuff. And at first, I've prepared uh, an air gun with uh, eleven hundred air gun bottle, and uh, as it was not regulated, it allowed me to have about forty-five or fifty very very stable shots. Uh, If we speak about uh, accuracy and velocity, I think that the corridor of speeds was in three meters per second. So nine feet per second, something like that. It was really good. And it was sub MOE accuracy. Uh, But then the rules of extreme interest changed. And uh, I found it uh, only three months before extreme interest and I had to rebuild my air gun to make new air transport part, and to use 500 cubic centimeters air tank. And I had to build new uh, aluminum chassis for this air gun. And you know, this gun was even better than my previous generation of that Juggernaut. and I think that the way to success was in the barrel, because the barrel I used there, it was also custom made. Uh, I have made studies for I think two years trying to find out which parameters of barrel should I use to get high speeds with heavy pellets and to get good accuracy. And the result of my research was uh, order of a small batch of uh, such barrels on Lothar Walter uh, factory with special parameters and all these barrels gave me sub-MOA accuracy. So I was absolutely satisfied with it. And that was one of uh, parts that helped me to get gold on extreme bench rest. And of course, uh, trainings every week, sometimes twice a week using wind flags. Um, I wouldn't say that studying wind correction uh, when we see the wind flag. Just when you practice a lot, your brain knows what correction to take and w- which wind holdover to take and that's the only way to get high results as for me of course you can be lucky and uh, we can just say that it doesn't work it does works but it will not allow you to have stable high results
1: as for me so we know that there's a war going on with russia and ukraine right now and i know that shooters in russia are probably being impacted in a severe way how is this war impacting you when it comes to getting supplies like ammo and gear and stuff like that or even communications with youtube and the west because i know that there's the possibility of obviously censorship and obviously as an american we always like to think that there's no censorship in america but i think there probably is a significant amount at least with uh people like you in russia so how how are you being impacted when it comes to supplies and the internet and stuff like that
2: First of all, I'd like to say that our approach is a bit different to this question. Uh, We don't think that it's a war. It's a special military operation. Just it's uh, different things. And uh, Russia didn't declare war to Ukraine. Ukraine didn't declare war to Russia. So it's rather different things for me. Uh, Of course, sanctions uh, hit shooters, air gun shooters hard here because uh, all the ammo we get, it's, uh, of course, mostly it's, uh, it was GSB, and it was H&N. And nowadays, as far as I understand, all these goods are under sex- sanctions. And I don't think that it's a, it's, it's a problem that they don't want to sell to us. It's a problem that there are no uh, any transportation and logistics way- ways to uh, make these ammo get to Russia. But I'm sure that uh, this problem will be solved in several months. I mean, logistics problem, because they can be shipped through Turkey, for example, and Turkey didn't give any sanctions to Russia. So it's solvable question. And as for me personally, you know, if I find a good projectile, I try to buy as much as I can. because I know that uh, even if, if we speak about a GSB, one batch uh, differs a lot from another batch, and if they look alike, if they weight alike, it doesn't mean that they will give you the best accuracy. And for example, a lot of shooters who shoot twenty-two caliber knows that uh, GSB monster redesigned old ones up to eighteen or nineteen year, they were very good, they were were very precise, and after that dates. Uh, You can use them to adjust the settings of your gun, (laughs) not more, is for me. And I bought uh, about 200 tins of that pellets in 2017-2018. And I think that I will have enough of them for one or two shooting seasons. And of course, after that, I'll have to find the way out and to choose probably another caliber or another projectile. If you speak about firearms, then, uh, you know, of course, many shooters get used to foreign ammo, but after sanctions of 2014, when uh, Crimea voted to be united with Russia, uh, all this ammunition was under sanctions, so it was not affordable for us because only smugglers could get that uh, ammo here. And one shot, for example, if we take uh, Lapua, one shot of of Lapua in 308 win caliber, uh, costed here about $10. So it was extremely, extremely expensive, even for rich people. And that's why people started reloading ammo. And they get really good results with it. Uh, there are some problems with uh, powders in Russia because uh, the quality is not as stable as, for example, uh, Finland uh, Vichta powder or the same class. And there are some problems with uh, high-accuracy bullets here, but I'm sure that uh, we shall overcome.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. And when it comes to... YouTube and Instagram and all these ways that you get your information out there about air guns, have you been impacted at all with any kind of censorship from Silicon Valley in the West?
2: Uh, Look, it's not a question of censorship from Silicon Valley. It's uh, a question of blocking these resources from Russian government, and I will explain you why. Of course, First of all, it's a political question. We've got to understand that uh, there is real information war between East and West right now, and um, for example, when we open opened Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter um, before it was blocked here, uh, they have seen that people are opening uh, it from Russia, and after all this special military operation started. Almost all the advertisements that were um, bought and that people uh, seen in the social media, they were showing, first of all, some uh, curses into Russian side. Then they uh, called people to go outside and to protest. And they showed a lot of fake information. And Russian government sent several requests to all the social media and um, demand stopping all these fakes and these illegal actions into Russian side. They didn't listen to it. That's why um, they had to block it. And of course, people like me who get used to speak to the world. Yes, we use just VPN service and we can easily get to Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, wherever wherever you want. But the fact is when we use uh, VPN service, it thinks that we come from another country, we never get all these advertisements. So it's just absolute proof for me that uh, I think that our government made everything correct because not all people can decide by themselves and they're affected by all these actions and probably it's correct. And if you speak about Instagram, they blocked all monetization for all people from Russia and for for all Russian content. They blocked a lot of over 50 Russian media channels, they just deleted them. And um, they made separation uh for example, you can't watch a lot of Russian channels. Uh, you just won't be allowed, you have to use a VPN. So YouTube will think that you are not from the United States or, for example, from some Eastern Europe. Only after that, you'll be allowed to watch some content there. So it's the situation as it is right now. And of course, we have limits, uh, limitations and uh, the sanctions. But I don't think that we suffer a lot from not being on Instagram uh, TikTok, Facebook, they blocked Pornhub and they think that we suffer a lot. <laughs> yeah. no, no one, Okay. <laughs>
1: you guys don't care. No one cares about Instagram. <laughs> um, the world's a better place without yeah. it anyway. <laughs> um, so let's move on. You're dealing, Absolutely. you're dealing with inflation and I know that here in the United States, we're de- dealing with inflation pretty severely now for the first time. I think at least since maybe Carter, um, How's it going with inflation there? Because when we're talking about buying high-end air gun parts, it, it does impact the consumer quite a bit. How are you being impacted with inflation? Or do you already have everything you need and you're not you're not really dealing with it?
2: Um, look, first of all, if we speak about inflation, I think that we'll have to start watching on the inflation from uh, the COVID period started. And uh, it's true that during that period, inflation was rather high i would say that it was about 10-15% per year and nowadays after uh, that special operation started it was just panic it was panic uh, between usual people that you know russia had a lot of revolutions and we had a revolution in 1917 then when uh, ussr collapsed uh, people seeing that there were no any goods in the shops, there was no any food rings and so on and so on. And all those old people, they get used to have some stocks and to buy some spaghetti, some salt, some sugar, and so on and so on, just to to have it, not not to suffer from uh, not having any food to eat. And mostly those people, they make... uh, this panic on the market and nowadays uh, when uh, ruble is uh, almost the same conditions to dollar so we get back and the prices are almost the same i can't say that we have huge inflation due to all this military operation and if you speak about gas for example just it's quite the same as it was before nowadays uh, we i would say about four no 350 or three dollars per gallon something like that regular yes so it, it's good it's quite affordable here and no any problems here yeah,
1: gas gas here in california is it's about six to seven dollars right now and they say it's going to go to 10 so i just uh it's bad. <laughs> uh so I saw you have kids. Do you, are you getting them are you getting oh, yeah. them? I believe you. <laughs> are you getting your uh kids into shooting?
2: Uh yes, you're right. I have three kids. I have a daughter, she's 13, son, he's uh seven years old, and my small angel girl, she's two and a half years old. You know, uh Russian approach to brought up, it's rather traditional and conservative and of course, if my girls would like to shoot air guns, I will allow them, I will teach them and I will show them all I can, but they're not interested. And uh, my boy, he is very interested in shooting, but, uh, you know, seven years old, he is just a bit too small to shoot my air guns because they are all customized for my body. And I'm rather tall man, about two meters and big man and... But using my FX Impact M3 with a cyber tactical chassis when I can just get the bat, back pad away allows him to shoot normally and he likes to do it. He very often spends weekends with me on my job when I uh, customize tune and shoot air guns and at the end of uh, the job day, He always asked me to shoot and I give him this opportunity. Probably you've seen several videos on my YouTube channel where he shoots
1: and he really likes it. You mentioned that hunting is very difficult in Russia because of the laws. Do you do any hunting there or any hunting with traditional firearms?
2: You know, I never did any hunting here. We had some... And I had some crow hunting here, pigeon pigeon hunting here, but it's not because of hunting it because of pest control, first of all. And again, it's illegal here. And if someone will show that, uh, just not the picture from the scope where no one knows uh, who shoots and uh, what gun is being used, uh, then we'll have real problems here. First of all, because of greens and uh, animal protectors who will immediately write a claim to police and... It's a cr- criminal thing here. You can really get to jail for just a year on, or a year and a half. Uh, so hunting here with air guns is not a good thing. Uh, and it's illegal in most of uh, ways. And a lot of hunters are using firearms and it's allowed, uh, but it's not about me. I, you know, I don't see any... Uh, reason to hunt when I can go to the market and buy any kind of meat I like we have special markets hunting markets where can we where we can buy a meat of a bear or a deer without any problems so that's cool, just sports,
1: sure, so what kind of competitions are you going to participate in this year? I know that you're very limited when it comes to this situation going on with the United States and coming into the United States. Are there any things going on in Russia, any competitions going on in Russia that you can attend?
2: Uh, First of all, in 2018, uh, me and my good friend, uh, we settled a shooting, air gun shooting club uh, named Vostok. It's translated as East uh, in English. And my friend is Stepan Morshagin. He is a bench rest world champion in 2013 or 2011. I don't remember exactly shooting 25 meters classic bench rest. And uh, we shoot competitions. We shoot uh, the same bench rest as you do at Rocky Mountain or Gun Challenge, for example, or extreme bench rest to 100 yards distance. But we don't use a full-size target because it's rather expensive in Russia to make those targets. And we use target having five uh score zones on one list of paper and one uh sighting zone so it's quite the same and uh, it's really good here this year we will organize a shooting to 50 meters distance uh, classic bear to 50 uh, meters distance unlimited class because in 2023 there will be European and world championship in Czech republic as i think and I'm not sure will we be able to go there or not because we're under sanctions, but it's not a reason not to be prepared for these competitions. And the third competitions we have here is uh, varmint shooting It's still target shooting from 50 to 150 yards with the step between with distance between each target uh, of 10 yards, something like that without any wind flags. And we have to read uh, the wind uh, using grass. Uh, leaves on the trees and any other method methods we we know and were able to use we have a limited time to shoot limited uh number of shots to make and the winner is the person who hits the longest target or uses less shots to hit the farthest target so th- those are three main uh disciplines but of course we have Russian air gun championship that is Uh, most usually organized by Ataman company, I'm sure you've heard about it. They also hold competitions of uh, uh, silhouette shooting, classic silhouette or gun shooting, when they shoot from standing position. Then they uh, practice field target and hunting field target. And of course we have clubs who shoot uh, classic bench rest to 25 meters. There are not many people in Russia but I think about 10 or 15, but they shoot rather regularly, uh, the shooting discipline.
1: So it looks like you now shoot an impact M3, at least that's what I saw you shoot at 2021 EBR. How are you liking that platform, being that you came from building your own and doing those things, tinkering with your own air guns? And how is the impact M3 for you?
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, nowadays, I shoot uh, FX impact M3. And uh, I shoot FX Crown MK2. If we speak about uh, FX Impact M3, you know, I even didn't disassemble it. I think that the first time I disassembled it uh, was about a week ago, just because I wanted to have my experiment. I'm amazed with this gun and I will explain why, because all the regulations are made without uh, disassembling the gun. And it's really amazing for me because I didn't have this experience. We don't have such kind of guns in Russia. We don't have any official sales of FX products or most of other foreign guns here. And every time I wanted to regulate the spring tensions or tension of the valve, I had to disassemble my gun and to regulate it. Every time I wanted to regulate my regulator, I had to disassemble the gun to regulate the uh, regulator to check it with special uh, regulator stand then to put it in the gun and so on and so on. So now I just can make all the adjustments in very short uh, terms and I get what I want to get. So I'm very satisfied with that gun and results which I get with uh, really heavy slugs. It's 40 grain slugs in 22 caliber to 150 yards distance. Uh, You know, it's amazing because I've been working with uh, slugs for already, I think, four years or even five years. Yeah. And I get used to shoot heavy slugs. I've made several guns and I've taken the first place on Russian Air Airgun Championship shooting slugs. I've been trained with slugs in special class of uh, that shooting competitions. Uh, but I've never seen that accuracy and that stability. So really, I'm amazed with this gun and very happy with it. There's only one minus uh, in all this situation that I'm a big guy and it's very hard for me to shoot ball pops. I get used to shoot uh, to shoot classic carbines that are much more stable on the bench, uh, but it's not a problem for me anymore because I made my gun heavy. I've made uh, I use saber tactical chassis that allowed me to use bipods under the bottle. I've made some special extender heavy extender of uh wither weaver, weaver or picatinny rail and i use uh nowadays i use bipods with joystick so my gun is heavy my gun is steady and it uh, gives good accuracy so I'm, I'm absolutely satisfied with it
1: so i see you have a utah air gun sweater on you like our oh, mac right, right yeah yeah
2: <laughs> oh man <laughs> you know it was First of all, it was a long story, because uh, my trip to Utah Guns uh, for Rocky Mountain organ challenge, it was, it was not easy at all, and people may go to my channel and just to open the playlist of uh, that competition to find, a, find out how it was, because, you know, it was a long story. I really liked Rocky Mountain organ challenge, and I liked uh, how those guys just what attitude they had to me because they never never knew me before they invited me invited me to shoot for Utah Air Guns I'm a part of Utah Air Guns team and Justin just an awesome man and all this company all this team they were very kind for me and they helped me as much as I can as they can and you know it was a great challenge because I I didn't have an opportunity to take my gun with me And Justin spent just several days, just uh, devoted all his time for me only to allow me to just to tune and to use uh, FX Impact M3. So that is the very one impact I have right now, right here. I never had experience with that gun. So I I didn't know what to do and how to do there. And how to adjust it and he helped me a lot of course nowadays i understand that i had just a huge mental pressure because i took too much responsibility on myself and that was the reason of my just awful mistake during my first day of practice but it's uh, you know it happens it was only my second huge international competitions and uh, it's my experience and i hope that i will not repeat it anymore. But we all are people who are not robots, we're not uh, mechanisms, and we have motions and feelings. So I really like that competitions. And, you know, I I, I made a comparison when I made a big video about uh, Extreme Bench Race 2021. And I compared these two competitions. And as for me, Rocky Mountain organ Challenge is much more shooter friendly, so to say. And if we speak about uh, traveling this, this year, uh, you know, it's a real problem here because uh, no Russians can get visa to the United States. We have to go to European Union, to the United States Embassy, if we have the opportunity to apply for a visa there. And air transit to any European Union countries is closed, so it's extremely complicated and my United States visa is expired. So probably this year I won't be able to come, but uh, I don't lose hope and I hope that a miracle will happen.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. That'd be good. So we're talking about the air gun industry and that's really cool to hear about your experience with RMAC and Utah air guns. What would you like to see in the industry or the community in the future? What kind of changes would you like to see for the airgun industry and community?
2: Uh, Well, I would say that I would would like to see uh, less business and more sports and more fair competitions, uh, more fair, um, less fakes, less dirt, information dirt, and uh, pure competitions between different huge companies that uh, make their products. Uh, You know, I had an, an opportunity to see Different sides, so to say, of United States uh, selling business. I know how it happens, and I'm just a sportsman. I'd li- I like to shoot sports, and I'm sure that most air gunners are, have the same opinion here. And when air gunners are are put in all these situations concerning business, it's not very good situation. I, I don't like it really, because if You know, in Russia, it's very simple. If a man represents any um, company, he tells about it and he tells that, uh, look, I'm affiliated, but I will show you the truth as I think it is. Uh, Good sides and bad sides. And I didn't see this honest approach uh, in many reviewers in uh, the... Western countries. Probably I'm wrong, but it's my opinion.
1: I don't think you are. I think you're right on the money. That is a huge problem here in the United States. (laughs) Yeah. So how would you like to see the sport grow internationally, or what do you think we should do to grow the sport internationally?
2: Well, it's a hard question. (laughs) I think that we should make less rules they should be much more simple and much more understandable for people we have to make international international and in-country legislation more simple for people to get their guns to any country they want and then uh, we'll be allowed and uh, we will have success in organizing worldwide competitions in different countries for example we can make different stages of uh, world championship for example in different countries nowadays different countries has different regulations and you know that european countries have their limits uh united kingdom has has their limits united states in most of the states as i know you don't have any limits at all to air guns so you can use whatever you want and i think that it is the main reason why air gun sports are not as popular as uh, firearms sports or just some, I don't know, bare flown competitions where they use 22LR, because they all have one rather simple and uh, understandable for people rules. Uh, It's not, uh, that's not the situation we have in airgun sports as for me.
1: So where can people find you and your content going forward? Because I think that's something that's kind of important. Where can people find you on YouTube and so on?
2: I think that the most simple way to find me is uh, my YouTube channel. It calls Raspberry R B, or you can just uh, type Raspberry Airguns, and uh, you will find my channel. And it's not too big right now. It's about eleven thousand subscribers but uh, nowadays it's one of the most popular air gun channels in russia and i make english-speaking contents if we speak about air guns that you have in the united states or just uh, out of russia and of course there's no any sense making english-speaking videos about air guns that are not sold out of uh, abroad from russia so i make it in russian only and i try to explain how to at least I try to show which results we can get uh, during our high accuracy shooting. And my approach is to make videos uh, to make undoubtable videos. That's why I make videos, uh, picture in picture, usually from at least two sides. uh, So people can see me shooting. And at the same time, people can see the picture from my scope from Raspberry scope cam. It's a MyScope cam that I developed in 2016. And as far as I know, I was the first to use a GoPro like camera with changed lens to get full screen picture and to get high quality slow motion. I think that next week I will uh, make another video i will publish it about uh, shooting different barrels of uh, fx it's 700 millimeter barrels and 800 millimeter barrels at high speeds uh, it's about 300 meters per second it's uh, 990 i think fps with 40 grain slugs in 22 caliber so it's the most simple way and uh, another way is to go to facebook and to search for bold of nikolai and the same about Instagram. I don't have Twitter accounts or uh, how it's TikTok, Instagrams. So I don't think that they are useful for developing arrogant sports.
1: Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience before we close today?
2: I want to say that Russians are quite the same people as all the others. And our mentality doesn't allow us to hate someone if we don't have real reason for it. And just try to get information from very different sources. And you don't have to believe media always without just taking your own brains, without taking analysis. You know, I had experience of some people from the United States, just cursed me for all that situation. And I tried to discuss it with them, but they were just like, I don't know zombies, they repeated the same phrases and all my tries to show that situation is not quite as they think was not accepted at all. So let's use our brains. Uh, let's live in peace. And uh, you know, Russians are sometimes tough. But uh, we are as we are in really were kind nation. And we don't like wars. And you will not find a single history fact when Russia started any war without any protection. So I want to say that let's live in peace, stay safe. And I hope that health and peace will be in your house, your family and your life. And I hope to see you in the United States on the biggest competitions in the world because I want to shoot with the best of the best guys. And I hope that I will have that opportunity. Thanks for your
1: time. Thank you very much for coming on the Atlas Airguns Podcast. You're always welcome back on. And this has been a great conversation. So thank you so much, Nikolai. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Atlas Airguns Podcast. Make sure to like with a five-star rating, share, and subscribe. Have a question? Email atlasairguns at gmail.com